Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. special guest. His name is Judge Clifton Graves. And I've been talking with this man for a number of years uh, when I while, when I worked at the New Haven Register as an editor and columnist. And I'm very excited that he's here uh, because I wanted to talk to him about um, probate court. He is a probate court judge, though he's previously been um, an attorney with um, in criminal cases and so forth and so on. Um, we're talking today about domestic violence and crime, but we're going to have Judge Graves back on the show in the coming weeks because I really want to talk about probate court. It is not something that is, you know, talked about a lot in the Black community, and many times when family members um, die or family members are incarcerated or um, in a hospital or whatever. We don't know what to do. And that's where um, Judge Graves come in, comes in. Anyway, let's get right to it. I'm James Walker. He is Judge Clifton Graves. And let's hear what he has to say. Why don't we start out talking about crime? Now, I know you're a probate yes, judge, so you're not sitting in criminal court but I'm sure you're familiar with the proceedings no. and so forth. And I think like yes, a sir. lot of people, I am confused as to why we continue to have hardened criminals out on the street who have been convicted of violent crimes, sometimes more than once. Can, can you explain to me why yeah. this is happening? Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say I, I honored in um privileged and humbled I am that you asked me to be a part of this discussion. Um, I, I've been, I'm a probate judge now, but I've of course been practicing law for over 30 years and worked with NAACP among other community organizations and dealing with issues related to crime, criminal justice, injustices in the criminal justice system, the mass incarceration issue, all that over the years. And, but, but also as, as, a, as an African-American living in, Growing up and living in and being part of the black community my entire life, it 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 uh, it disturbs me, it disheartens me, it frustrates me, and angers me when I see and hear about the crime, any type of crime taking place in our community. So the balance, so our, our struggle has been, my struggle has been, brother Walk, is, is to answer your question, is this: on the one hand, we all acknowledge, most of us will acknowledge the fact that there are injustices inequities in the criminal justice system, which end up oftentimes wrong, wrongfully convicting young, young, young men and women of color. We know yes. that. And, and compared to other communities, we know that, acknowledge that. And so part of our struggle is to address and correct those inequities. On the other hand, we, we have to acknowledge the fact that they are just uh, disproportionate, and sadly, a disproportionate number of crimes that are committed by people of color are on people of color. And in our communities, and so often, and to your to your point, many times, sadly, uh, or, or more than that, well, I don't say many times, but certainly, the significant amount of this crime is, is committed by men and women who've been convicted of crimes, served time, 
and they're re released and back into the community more often than not, and end up committing uh, the recidivism, recidivism rates are, are, are sadly high, higher than they need to be, um, and usually committed by these folks who've been let out uh, for one reason or another. So to, to answer your question, the part, the part of the problem has been in Connecticut, part, well, part of the challenge and part of the, the problem has been of, we, there was an acknowledgement by all the state officials and, and quite frankly, you should know this, by members of both political parties, uh, Republicans and Democrats, that we had we our, our prisons were overcrowded. We were spending too much money uh, keeping folk incarcerated who, who didn't need to be. Some, need some to be. yes, needed to be for sure. Needed to be absolutely no, no. That was that was that was across the board. No matter what race, nationality, ethnicity, what, what community you came from, there are people who do, everyone acknowledged who need to be sadly need to be incarcerated and pay for the and pay for the crimes that they committed. No question about it. But there, but there, but there are others who who actually for the time they were there needed needed to be there. But perhaps had shown some 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 qualities or remorse or or had developed a skill set. Went back to school, got a GED, high school diploma, some even college degrees while they were incarcerated, and made it and, and it was clear to to the officials that these are the folks you want to who deserve a, chance, a second chance, if you will, right. to come back home, be discharged, be released, reconnect with their families, and start over again. Uh, and there have been. Uh, um, Happily, happily to say, uh, there have been many folks who who have been discharged, men and women uh, of all races, who've been discharged from Connecticut's institutions, who have done just that. Who come back home and turn their lives around, have done, right. have done well, are doing well, got jobs. And so, yeah, but but they, yeah. And you know, you I, I, you do you know something? As you know, when we when we first met, I was running, I was in charge of the New Haven uh, reentry program, mm -hmm. uh, one one of the first in the state. And, and and that was our role, our job, our task, our challenge was to meet, meet folks where they were as soon as they were discharged from, from, from the Connecticut's penal institutions and try to assist them with jobs, with education, with housing, mental health counseling, whatever it might be, substance abuse counseling, to get them on the right path or keep them on the right paths. But even with that, they could come back to your, your point, even all this, that program and that similar program, in fact, that program is still ongoing here in New Haven. There are comparable programs in Hartford and in Bridgeport and Waterbury trying to address that very issue. But still, as we know in life, there's still far too many folks falling through those cracks who come back home, who either front and tell it to everybody that I'm good, I'm ready, I'm ready for the second chance, or sincerely want to do that, but fall prey to to the the uh, the temptations of the community, the, na the neighborhoods that they came from, get lured back into the lifestyle that got them in trouble in the first place, and end up you know reconnecting with with the criminal element, uh, and take advantage of and and exploit that, and end up committing these crimes again. So it's it's a it's a it's, it's a conundrum of sorts. It's a challenge for us. Um, it, it's not to say that the effort to 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 the um, to to suddenly empty out the prisons to those who who who, who warrant it, uh, those those efforts are still uh, necessary for sure, and and uh, and but at the same time, what we have to do is figure out well, how can we address this issue of uh, of, of ongoing cr criminal criminal behavior and violence in our communities. And here's the thing, just as you know, just you pick up you you know you know you're a journalist, you know you can't pick up the paper or look at the news or social media uh, any day. In, in New Haven, Hartford, Bridgeport, and Waterbury, and somebody else got shot. Somebody. somebody. Every day. 
I had and, to be and frank. Did somebody get shot. You know, when the uh, yeah. it's a sad it's a sad thing to say, but when I heard about the Bristol shooting, yes. the Bristol cop shoot, the first yes. thing that came to my mind was, yes. please don't let these men be black. Please don't let them be. But you black. know what? You know what? But and, and it's funny. I got to tell you, great man, thinking like. I got to tell you, we we've been so socialized and conditioned, and as 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 as, 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 as black men over over forty, that whenever time some 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 of that magnitude happens, that's the first thought that comes in our mind. First, first, and, first and that, thought. that was a similar thought that came in our mind too. First thought, like please, Lord, please don't don't let it be somebody black. Somebody. But 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 it, it, you know, as horrific as that was, yeah, that's what you that's that's what you're hoping that it won't be. But but and you're right, and I think that. But here's the other thing that w- was troubling. And and certainly for me and, and for you and I, um, who are concerned about these issues in our community, is that these uh, that there are too many guns in the hands of young people, too teenagers many. who have no too idea many. what to do with them. too many, too many guns to teenagers who have no idea. First of all, first of all, they shouldn't have a gun, and because so, and then they don't know what to do with a gun, and and uh, they haven't been trained how to use a gun, so they just shoot, and which is why often more than not, people 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 that they intend to get. You get shot, you get shot, but usually somebody else who's not the intended victim gets shot because you know because for that very reason. And but the gun, but the but the proliferation of guns in our community still is something that should trouble and concern all of us. And I think and 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 the fact that these young men, more more often than not, some women, but certainly young men, just don't have the training or 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 or, 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 or the guidance, I guess, not the training, the guidance to figure out how to divert that energy. Now, to our credit, I mean, to their credit, not our credit, to, yeah, to, I guess to our community's credit, and I would say this about New Haven, and you, you know this, I think there's similar efforts in Bridgeport, Waterbury, and Hartford, but I do know in New Haven, there's there's several initiatives. There's there's a, a program called Hang Time, run by Charles Grady, who's a former, former FBI agent. In fact, no, he's an FBI agent. He works yeah. for the FBI, and former, former New Haven police officer, and actor, quite frank, actor in, in, uh, in, uh, on, on the stage and screen. Who's from from his father was a police officer too, um, and he decided that he was part of what he would do, and is to give back to the community. He would bring in men and women formerly incarcerated, put them get together like I think once or twice a month uh, on a regular basis. He brings people in like you, like me, like firefighters, police officers, carpenters, barbers to talk to them and give them guidance and direct, hear them out, give them a chance to speak, to give them guidance and direction and monitor and follow them to make sure they get housing and get jobs and get and stay on the right path. That's one pro. That's just one program, Hang Time. There's another program run by this, this man named Sean, Sean Reeves. Sean Reeves, former gang right here in New Haven, former gang banger himself, went to jail, served time for being a gang banger when he was young. Got, did, his, did his bid, James, came back out, his son, his Latina son, victim of gun violence, broke his heart. But and so in that, beyond him, with the time that he served, turned his life around. So now what he does, using his experience and experience the tragedy he had experienced in losing his son, he 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 had part of he has a program called Sports Academy where he takes young boys after school, eight nine starts early, brings them in after school, does t- computer training, uh, tutoring, teaches them how to play chess, brother Walker. You know, his, he like like others have done this around the country. You chess as a way to channel energy to how to fig, figure think things through, uh, strategize uh, on on how to address problems in life. 
and and what his experience has shown as, as others who've done this is that if you teach teach them and train them in that direction, they can figure stuff out as opposed to resulting resorting to violence. So that program. Then of course you have the street the street workers uh, that that have, that have been working out of the city of New Haven. Run and there's there's, there's another component called by Leonard Jihad, former parole and probation officer, former police officer himself, parole probation officer who who, who runs that program. And these are these again. These are mostly men and women, former you know former gangbangers themselves, in and, in and out of prison themselves, who are back home now, who who figure they can relate and connect with these young people. So all these efforts, and, and that's what's even more troubling. So you have all these efforts right right going on right now as we as we as we speak right now. Those three efforts are going on among others, other things. And I'm sorry, one more. Project Moore has a program where what uh, over on Grand Avenue, been around 40 years, which addresses men and women, formerly incarcerated men and women who mm -hmm. come out and they help and guide them and give them direction. But but there, but the city of New Haven has a reentry re program I used to run. It's connected with Project Moore now and actually has an office right there on Project at Project Moore's headquarters where men and women who once they get out of prison, they had dropped off there. Before heretofore, they used to be dropped off on the street on Whaley on Avenue corner, right. and had you know five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Sit and just sit there and wait till somebody somebody open up at nine o'clock, but they can go knock on the door to get for a job or for a meal or whatever. Now they're dropped off at Project Moore and then they can get a meal. They can get guidance and direction right away. So that that's 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 a, a, a change for the for the for the uh, for the better. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll get back to the conversation in a minute. But I just want to take time to remind folks that my book, Dead Windows, is available through Amazon. Um, the you can buy the ebook, the paperback, and or the hardcover. I think it's a good read. I think you'll enjoy reading it. Also, if you like our content here, hit that subscribe button like and share our videos. We would sure, surely appreciate it and help us grow. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Project okay. Longevity, what, you think it's a good thing? Is it working? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, I, honestly, I, th I think there, there are mixed reviews on it. I know when it, when it first started, I, I, I had a chance to work with both, uh, both these New Haven directors um, there was a reverend pastor whose name escapes me. I can't remember his name. Who was yeah. the first director, and then Stacy, um, Stacy. I know Stacy. I can't think of Stacy. You know Stacy. Yeah, but, but we know Stacy, right? Stacy. Right. Now Stacy, I think did a good job. Stacy again was a New Haven former New Haven police officer, very connected in the community. People knew him, respected him, and he was so he was a good choice. I thought to run the New Haven pro project. There was a I think a Hartford office as well as a statewide coordinator i got a chance to interact with, with 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 them as well when i worked for the city and my i think the frustration um they felt was they didn't get project longevity that is didn't get enough support and again understand this project limited longevity was a federal a federal program federal and state there were federal and state monies that that had been allocated or set aside to for, 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 the, for this for these programs and again similarly to what hang time well no actually i take it back Project Levity, Longevity's uh, interest was and focus was primarily on getting, yeah, uh, interacting with these right. gang violence to deal with these young men, catch them, um, and early enough. And and, and here's the thing. And what they and I, so do you answer your question? I thought it was it was somewhat effective. I got it. They they had they'd have these sessions. I don't know if you ever chance had a chance to attend one, James. But I they'd did, have yeah. these. You did. So yeah. you so you know what I mean. So they, they had these sessions and all these folks are in the audience and they bring these young men in. And Stacy would kind of like, you know, it was like, 
like scared straight almost. At least that, that was kind of what they, the, the focus was. Except these these kids weren't scared. I mean, they just they just got you know. But you know, to they, be they, fair, they yeah. they ran out of money because I do know, and I can't think of the the minister's yeah. name, the the one of the first directors who was a a minister, yes. and uh, and he, I think he worked at Yale. He uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes. he also worked at Yale. But they weren't getting paychecks. I know that right. uh, for a period of time they went weeks without a paycheck. So right. Again, it seemed to me that it was one of these programs that's announced, we're going to give you yeah. X amount of dollars, you know, 60% of yeah. it goes to salaries. They got 40% of it left. They helped two or three people, and then the program right. collapses. And Collapse. that, to me, is always a problem. But one other thing I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Do you think, and I, I don't know if I'm being paranoid here, but do you think that maybe some of these people are being let out of jail so early or are not um, do not have long sentences because it's black on black crime? In other words, do you think that they would have gotten that same sentence if it was if they had if they had a shot or, you know, whatever, a, a white person? It just well, seems, to me, that, it, it seems to me yeah. that every 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 time we read, every time we um, right. turn on the news, it's not just that, you know, uh, this person committed this crime is that this person has a long history of violent crime, assault, or whatever. So how are these people continuing to get back out of the street? Let's face it, just like you said, yeah. there, there are people who deserve a second chance, but there are people who've made it very clear that they could care less right. about a second chance. So I you know it's a little it's a little frustrating yeah. to to hear sure. the anchor person or the reporter say, you know, he's been arrested, you know, 10 times. You know, we've got somebody in New Haven, yeah. I think. I remember he was arrested 96 times or something like that. I couldn't believe it. Heady stuff. Yeah. But 90, it was it was unbelievable the amount of times that he, had been, right. um, he had been arrested. And so it just seems to me yeah. that we've got to do something as a community to stop this violence because we have grandmothers who are cooking getting shot at you know while right. they're cooking sunday dinner so something has to yeah, be no. and, well i i listen i i i'm not I, uh, just two quick things yeah on, on on the project quickly the project longevity issue i, I agree I, think, I don't think there never was a a, a, a committed i mean a, a strong federal or state commitment to fund the program and to make it make it successful, it, I think it had a good motive and a good purpose and mission. And I think it was somewhat successful, but I don't think there was really was the the the, the backing that it, that it needed to make it effective. Uh, there were, everybody's staffs so were small. You know, I know right here in New Haven, Stacy only had like one person helping him. Yeah, they had you know, nobody helping. No help. And so I think maybe similar in Hartford and, and Bridgeport. But that being said, so I think that's something we need to look at in terms of going forward. It, it looks good on paper, but where is the is there a real commitment yeah, to make change? Punch. Yeah, and yeah, so so now going to the other point. Now here's the thing: now we we all would agree. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone would disagree. There 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 are some serious shortcomings and and failings within the criminal justice system. Uh, to be sure, I you know on on the, the, most of the prosecutors and judges in, 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 in superior court are still mostly white men. Uh, still, um, there there are more women and and more women, persons of color now. Than in hit than ever in our history, but still dominated by Caucasian males. So more often than not, in in, in black on black in the criminal court, the, the victims, as I said earlier, are, are African American people of color as well as the perpetrators. 
So in, in, while their sentences, depending on what, what nature the crime might be, the, the the prosecutors will 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 put harsh sentences on these these men and women. But for the most part, but but certainly you're right. I, I am certain there are discrepancies. And if the per, if the victim is depending on the race of the victim, I'm sure in terms of what, what sentencing they were they were proposed, um, and this, this be meted out and handed down by the judge. So I'm, I'm sure that still exists. Um, and but the other side of it is that there was an acknowledgement, at, at, I think at the, at the top level that uh, there are we've had these inequities and in, 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 in failings in our criminal justice system, and that. There's sociologists and psychologists and criminologists who say, well, you know, you know, uh, these these extra long sentencing for this particular crime doesn't really do any good. We're putting all this money out. Let's just let's give this person another chance. But the problem is, again, as as we both, as we said earlier, some people are deserving of the second or third, even the third chance. But there are others who are not, sadly, and who who won't take advantage of it, who who milk the system. I mean, we, we listen. There are people throughout society. We know this of all races, of all classes, who take advantage, who milk the society, mm-hmm. who, who, milk, who take advantage, of, who take advantage of the society. Whether it's billion dollar, you know, billion dollar. I mean, billionaires who who milk the tax system and don't pay a dime in taxes. You right. know that that they, they're breaking the breaking the law, but they, uh, well, they have lawyers who help them, you know, finesse it and get around it. Uh, and so, with and, and on the one level, on the other hand, you have. The, the petty criminals, the ones that we deal with in our community, more often not necessarily petty, but folks who 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 perpetrate and take advantage of their circle, their, their environment, who who figure more often than not that some they get caught, more, but sometimes they don't, and 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 they know that, and they know that the system is really not that apt to catch them, you know, um, because <laughs> it's black on black crime, and so they could they, they, there's this continuum and this just so this this culture of violence. That, that that exists in our community and disrespect really comes down to disrespect. Disrespect, first of all, for yourself. Disrespect for your community, for your families, people who look like you. And and I think there's something that, that so it's a, it's a it's a deeper problem than and, and I think the crime is just the, the tip of the iceberg or the, the criminal behavior. There's a deeper societal problem, uh, institutional problem, cultural problem that that we have to address as far as the lack of respect for one another that 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 ends up resulting in this criminal behavior and criminal activity and, and that happens in our community. Listen, when these kids, I mean, listen, I was on my way to church yesterday morning, Brother Walker, and there was coming down Golf Street in New Haven, and there's red, there's yellow tape all on Sherman Avenue, and I'm saying, this is Sunday morning. Morning. Okay, and, and Sunday morning, yesterday morning, Sunday morning, and the police cars all over because somebody, the teenagers, got into a shootout it was Sunday morning, uh, teenagers shoot at, shoot at each other mm-hmm. in cars on Sunday morning. So it's like, wh- what? I mean, just just the lack of respect again, and 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 and, and I don't know. And, and and it troubles me like it troubles you, that because I teach. I think I told you this. I, so I teach African American history. I mean, I have young people in my class. You know, eight, and so I tell. And, and these are young people who's who brothers, sisters, family members, cousins, people they went to school with, grew up with, are the ones that they doing this stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, and they know it. We talk about it, right? and they say, and and I can see the the angst and and frustration on their faces because they know folk who've been shot, folks who've been killed, folks who've been incarcerated, folks who are out there right now gang banging, and and here they are trying to turn their lives around, get an education, and do something positive. But you can see the the, the you sense and, and they talk about it, the frustration they feel, and but also the fear they feel 
that like bridge, say, and they feel good. Sure. I mean, no matter yeah, what, because yellow tape has become almost like an accessory in the um in, in yeah. the black community. Everywhere you go, there's this yellow tape. Police, uh, I mean, our yellow kids tape. are growing up seeing all they're seeing are police, detectives, yellow tape, you know, yeah. um, blood on the ground. Yeah. Everybody knows somebody's been shot and killed. It's just, it's just, it's just insanity. It, it really is. And yeah. speaking of that, let's move sure. on to domestic violence okay. because suddenly we have yes, all sir. of these, uh, and I'm just going to say men, um, even though I know there are sure. plenty of women out here also um, who yes, um, uh, who also are um, perpetrators. But um, we have, and it just seems to me these men are just losing their minds. They're killing their women yeah. and mothers of their children right in front of the children. I mean, I, yes. I, I, just don't, I just don't get this. What can we do about that? What do you think is the, yeah, because this has really is escalating, not de-escalating, it's escalating. What do you think we can do? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I do think we have to, even though it, it's, it's sad, you're right, it's sad and it's tragic because it happens every day. And it was even more ironic for us is, if not uh, hypocritical, Connecticut is probably in the forefront of addressing mental health issues and domestic violence issues mm -hmm. perhaps in, in, in many other states but even with that we see as, as you talk, talk about in your book you know your own experiences we see every day this stuff happening you know this violence being perpetuated perpetrated against women usually by my men but also it happens you know the, the inverse happens mm -hmm. as well but more often not the majority of cases involve men battering women or threatening women or, or you know you know violence on perpetrating violence upon women and 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 um and the children uh witness this sometimes the children are victims too well they are victims anyway no matter how it is by them witnessing it they're they're, they're, they're victims, victims yeah. psychologically yeah they're victims of, of, of domestic violence too and because we have no idea until later the 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 psychological impact uh witnessing this i think i told you i had a case in probate court where the woman uh woman was shot, shot and killed by her uh, ex-boyfriend in front of her children and the children so now these children are young so we have no idea we talked about this in cases with our social workers and the, and the therapists that we had to monitor these children probably the rest of their lives because we have no idea then what 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 this has done to their psyche well, um, i can tell you that it and, is and to, their psyche yeah. to see their mother shot sure. and killed sure. but it, it's gotta it's gotta just be I mean, all I saw was uh, my mother getting beat. You know, there's a big difference between getting sure. beat and actually having your mother murdered in front of you. I mean, yeah, that is just—it's just outrageous. And I it don't know. So, it is getting worse. As I said, it's getting worse. It is getting worse. So, so I think so. I, honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't sadly, I don't have the answer. But I do know. But, 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 but I'm hopeful though is that that uh, by having discussions like this. You writing a book about it, and the fact that Connecticut again is uh, is, is in the forefront, and and even been in the forefront, we see how terrible and horrific the problem remains right here in Connecticut. But at least there, there there's hope that by continuing to educate, enlighten, and even have whether it's entertainers or athletes speaking out against domestic violence, and and, and hopefully that will address, help these these men uh, more often than not get the help they need. But but the problem is identifying it. And more often than not, the women who are who, who are the victims won't say anything to anybody. Won't go 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 get the help. Won't finger anybody. Won't call the police because they're yeah. scared. 
they either they're afraid or they, they're either afraid of losing the man or afraid of getting beat by the man or to being retaliated against. And so we have this this culture of fear among women generally. But I think some of that is being alleviated and addressed. Um, but the more women have been to become educated on this and, and enlightened about that the help that's out there. And the fact that Connecticut does have domestic violence shelters for women they can go to that that, are, that remain uh, remain uh, like, that's like they're in the women's protection program. And now they the people they, they can't expose it. So we've had situations in court where you know, where an issue involving custody or, or or whatever it might be, and the, the the husband or the father will come and say, "Well, you know, I want to know where they where they are because I you know." And we say, "No, you can't. We can't let you know where they are." You know, or the lawyers were asked on behalf of the father. When the mother's in domestic violence home, we need to know. They said, no, no, the law is very clear. We 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 not disclose the location where that mother might be for fear of harm being brought to her uh, or her children by by this guy who's got issues. And so uh, so there are so there are laws in place, fortunately, here in Connecticut that protect women if if they seek shelter in a domestic violence uh, uh, environment. There are and there are places uh, and there are entities in place. The DCF is very good, and other entities in 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 um, in, in, the, in the state uh, are being more are being are being more sensitized to to domestic violence issues. But we still have a long ways to go, a long long ways to go to address that. But some of it, a lot of it has to deal with culture and male ego and uh, and the, and the failure of of uh, or, or the lack of. Um, yeah, fair, I guess it will be of, of men who who have help. I mean, who need help, seeking the help, and and further the failure of family members or friends of the person perpetuating the violence, calling them out and, and 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 guiding him or directing him or leading him to to get the help that he needs. Because the help is here. Connecticut the help, has the help, help is here. Yeah, yeah, help is here. And you're right. We need. We need friends, relatives, male friends and relatives to call them out and sure. let them know this is not the right thing to do. But I'm not sure if that would if that would work. I mean, because I am pretty sure that some of these guys, you know, try to calm these guys who are, you know, who are beating their women and so forth. I'm sure they're trying to calm them down. But the problem is the anger and they yes. Men don't want to control their anger in that moment. They don't want to control their anger. They would right. rather beat, um, get the anger out that way. And of course, sure. that just leads to you. Well, we already know um, what that leads to. Well, sir, we yeah. are actually out of time. Yes, sir. <laughs> we out of time. Okay. Well, well, but okay. is there anything that um, but, anything that I haven't that I haven't asked you that um, <laughs> you want to you want to um, say something about? Well, well, for first of all, I, I commend you and thank you again for, for for tackling this issue of domestic violence in your own book, but it's your own experiences. You, you should be applauded for that and commended, and hope that you continue to go around to and, and share your experiences to, to educate, enlighten, and 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 I know you will. So I thank you for that. As far as issue, these listen, the things we talked about are, are serious issues, as you know, and we and we just barely barely scratched the surface, and barely. and I'm in our discussion today, but the hope, but the hope will be. That, that folks like us and others, and, and there are people out there who I think will feel the same way as we do about 
uh, us as a community addressing these issues, we had to come together and figure out and strategize on ways we can address this the issue of domestic violence, certainly in our community. And, and, and as a subset of that, you know, just gen well, as a large issue, crime generally, and especially crime being perpetuated by these young people on the one hand, and the second, the second piece, of course, these men who, men and women who come back out of out of incarceration, who need help and guidance and direction, so they won't fall prey to to the wiles of, and temptations of the street. But uh, but that's a, that's a big that's a big job for us, a big yeah, job for for us. But it, but we have but we have to do it. We have to figure out a way to to figure it, to to come to grips with this. But I hope that we'll continue some discussion on this, but walking. I'm looking forward to then the next segment on uh on, on probably quarter or whatever we decide to talk about. That's fine. But I wish yes. you well. Thank you, and wish our community the best going forward in in, in battling these issues and and coming up with strategies to to. Because listen, I think it was someone who said, "No one will save us from us or for us, but us." You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, if you have an idea for the show, give us a call at two zero three six zero five one eight five nine or drop us an email at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. You folks have a good week and we'll talk again next week. <laughs>